Well, we are going to continue with our theme, uh, which we're calling Encircled. We're looking at our voice and response to this cultural moment that we live in. Kevin Bridges, uh, a comedian, in his latest sold-out show in Glasgow, he titled his show, Kevin's Take on the Modern World. Kevin opens his show with this rant on the world that we live in. I'm going to quote some of his stuff, and I've removed all the, the F words, as you can imagine. Uh, but it says something like this. He says this, commenting on the people that have come out uh, from the houses and from their towns and villages and flats and whatever to come and see him perform. He says this, it's good to see people here coming out for a laugh. It's important in this tense and uncertain world we live in. The world is scary. It's messed up at the minute. And then he talks about the world today and anxiety. He says this, I've got anxiety just watching the news every day. Mentioned a few things that cause him anxiety. He says Donald Trump, Brexit, ISIS, ISIS global warming, the cli uh, climate crisis, refugee crisis, sexual harassment. And then he moves on to God. And he says how God might be feeling in all of this, in the world that we find ourselves living in. And Kevin says this, if you believe in God, you've got to acknowledge that he is in over his head. Surely it's getting a bit too much for God now. You know, despite the awesome world that we live in today, with so many amazing advances, so many amazing um, things that we pro process in, and, and so many amazing things that we grow in, so many amazing discoveries that we do and have and experience, I think the temptation is to look at culture, to look at the world that we're living in, and a little bit like Kevin, critique it, and maybe even despair over it. The opportunity, however, is to speak to it. The opportunity is to speak to it. To throw in a different voice into the mix that we so often hear. So our encouragement would be, as we're looking at this theme, and as we're looking at these uh, next few talks, is not to stand back from a distance and critique culture, and critique the world that we're living in, but rather to have a voice in it to speak to it, not to hide away, but to re-enter it and to speak with a new voice, with an alternative voice, and with truth from Scripture. Let me just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the world that you've created. Lord, it is absolutely mind-blowing. It is awesome, Lord Jesus. There are so many amazing things that we are just in awe of, Lord Jesus. It's an amazing place, but Lord, it's also true that, Father, we see pain, dysfunction, destruction. It's also a place, Lord Jesus, that needs truth spoken to. Father, we need to be in a place where we can work with you, Lord, as you renew all things, and as you restore all things, as it should be, as you intended it to be. So, Lord, as we just picture our context, and as we picture the culture that we find ourselves in, Lord, would you open our eyes to see where you've placed us? Would you open our ears that we would hear what you would want to say? And would you bless our mouths to speak life and truth into a culture and into a place that so needs to hear it? Amen. Hey, well, I don't know whether you've ever been in, unfortunately, you've had the um, misfortune to be in a physical fight. 
I don't know if you found yourself in this situation where you've kind of got yourself into a bit of trouble. Growing up as a teenager, I did a bit of kickboxing, Thai boxing, then I did a bit of kung fu, and I loved a bit of sort of sparring and fighting with fellow students. But there was this one time outside of the martial arts sort of safe environment, away from the pads and the gloves and the shin pads and everything else, that I found myself set upon by a gang of lads. And these guys were basically, it was over a girl, um, these guys basically came at me, and out of nowhere, there was like a circle of them around me, totally outnumbered, and punch after punch, they plowed their fists into my head. And I remember trying to protect myself and defend myself. I, I had two dogs that ran away at the time, which wasn't helpful. I was like, guys, come on. I let go of the dogs, so they ran off. And I protected my face like this and covered my face from all the punches. My hands were totally swollen. Now, it was the day before my art exam at high school, so I could barely hold a pencil the next, next day. Still got an A, though. Still got an A, though. Who's laughing now? They brayed into me, and this attack, attack came at me, totally unexpected, blow after blow. I know what it's like to be under attack. I know what it's like to be in a situation where attack and blow after blow is coming at you and it doesn't feel nice. It doesn't feel great. And here we read in scripture what scholars and commentaries call an attack on Jesus. It was a spiritual attack. Satan was coming after Jesus Jesus was weak, he was hungry, he was vulnerable, he wasn't really in the place to be kind of all going for it, and Satan comes for him. He comes for Jesus and attacks him, hitting him and with every sort of thing, hitting every nerve he possibly could. You know, the title of the passage that we looked at, sometimes it's called the temptation in the wilderness, sometimes it's called the testing in the wilderness. The Greek word that is actually used for it is parazo, which means to try or to attempt. So what's happening here is that Satan is trying to, attempting to, cause Jesus to sin. That's his point. His purpose in this attack is coming after Jesus when he's weak and vulnerable, and his aim is to try and get him to sin. He's trying, get, trying to get him to give up. He's trying to get him to actually cut his losses and, and, and worship him. He's trying to get him to sin. It's worth noting, actually, this is the second attack on humanity. The first attack on humanity is in Genesis 3 at the fall, when you see Adam and Eve. And it's the same enemy using the same tricks. It's nothing new. We see here Satan in Genesis 3 comes after humanity and he says this. Did God really say that? Like, are you sure you can't eat from the tree? Like, will you really die if you eat that? Here in Genesis 3, you see the enemy going after humanity, and he wins. He wins the attack. He sets him up for a fail. He sets him up as a, as a test, and humanity fail. Adam and Eve, they give in, and they fail and begins the fall. But now, here, Satan tries again with Jesus, the new humanity. Jesus, the new Adam. He's going after him again. He, he fails in this attempt, but he does 
try. He comes at him, throwing all sorts of questions at him. Ah, if you are this, question his identity. Ah, if you could do that, why don't you just do that? Won't this happen? It comes at Jesus. Hebrews 4 talks about Jesus being tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. Jesus didn't fail the test that Adam and Eve failed at Genesis 3. He won it. He, he won the test. He won the challenge. He beat him. It's worth noting, actually, um, in these responses that Jesus gives to Satan, to his enemy, he's actually quoting Deuteronomy. So every time Satan comes at him with a challenge, Satan, uh, Jesus bats it back with a quote from Deuteronomy, six and chapter 6 and chapter 8. Every time it's from chapter 6 and chapter 8, he answers him back with Scripture. The word Deuteronomy means second law. It was a law given to humans to live by. And Jesus is answering truth. He's speaking light to darkness. He's speaking life to death. In the wilderness then, let's just look at our text. If we can get the text right at the beginning, verse 1 actually. Just look at this. Like, this is just amazing right from the off. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Like right from the beginning, Jesus was full of the Spirit and he was led by the Spirit. I mean, like, less than over right there. To be people that are filled and full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit. What an amazing thing, right from the off there. But it says this, in verse 3, his enemy said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now remember, Jesus is absolutely starving. He's so hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. He's, he's, he's hot, he's weak, he's vulnerable. I mean, to look at the, the, the rocks, they probably look like bread because he was so hungry. He's probably like, oh my gosh, I, I could just, just imagine a bit of bread. Oh my gosh. And then Satan comes along and he's like, well, turn it into bread then. Go on, just turn it into bread. Like, don't you want bread? Aren't you hungry? Now, there's nothing wrong with bread. There's nothing wrong with food. There's nothing wrong with the things that God has given us. There's nothing wrong with friendship. Maybe it's about what we compromise to get it. Maybe it's about the thing that we have to compromise to get it. Like, see, if Jesus had compromised then, he would have been violating his fast. He would have been cutting it short and saying, yeah, you know what? I am starving. I'm going to do it. But Jesus had promised. He'd made a commitment. He'd made a, this vow. that like, I am on a fast. I'm fasting for 40 days, and I'm not going to eat, and I'm going to enter the wilderness, and I'm going to meet with my heavenly Father. To do that would have been to give up too soon, to give in, to throw in the towel at an early stage. He would have compromised all that to get the thing that was right in front of him. He knows that actually God gives him all that he needs. He knows that God is the true source of life. The all good, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. He didn't need to mess around with it. He didn't need to engage with it and do some sort of uh, miracle to perform the brocks to be into bread. Jesus knows what he's after, what enemies trying to do. And I guess Jesus knows as well that there's more to our well-being than just being well-fed. We know that. We know there's more to our well-being than just being well-fed. Jesus doesn't settle for instant gratification. So easy in the world today. Like I find myself like, this is what I aimed for. This is what I longed for. This is what I planned. But I'll just stop there. It's too hard. Like, suck it. Forget it. Like, it's just, it's just it's too many pressures. 
There's too much stuff going on. I wanted that, but actually, I'm just going to die. I'm just going to literally bow out. And I'm going I'm to just kind of stop there. I'm kind of done. Here, Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't give in to instant gratification. So what does he do? He answers him again with Deuteronomy, goes straight in. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So next then, the devil, the enemy of his soul, he comes after him, and he takes him up to a high place. And he's kind of showing him around. And he's saying this, hey, look, I will give you all, the, all their authority. Look at all the kingdoms. Just take a look at it. Take it in. I'll give you all the authority of these and all the splendor of all these kingdoms. Tempting, but I mean, I'm not actually sure that it was actually Satan's to give. But, but, but Satan's kind of saying, you know what? If you do this, like, I'll get, just imagine that. Like, imagine having the authority. Imagine having the splendor of all them kingdoms. Like, I can give you that now if you want. Tempting, maybe. What's our equivalent today in our culture? What can the temptation or the test be? Maybe to have splendor. Maybe to have the wrong type of authority or go the wrong way to get it. Stand over people, step on people, whatever it is, just to get authority, to get splendor. Maybe our test, our challenge, our temptation is just to actually lift ourselves up a bit above than we really should, to thirst for the wrong kind of splendor, to over-promote what we do, what we have, who we are with the perfect filter or the perfect post, promoting a life that actually isn't genuine or authentic. I like what uh, Des uh, from, is the head of Alpha Scotland, Des has an interesting background. He, he did a whole lot of drugs. He was a doorman. He was a security guy. He's as hard as nails. And then he finds Jesus. And now he runs uh, Alpha Scotland. And he introduces people to Jesus. He talks to people about Jesus. But I like what Des does. Because he says he uses the Kurt Cobain from Nirvana approach to social media. Let me explain. Kurt Cobain, if you've not heard of who Cobain, Kurt Cobain was... Kurt Cobain, despite being famous for being one of America's most top popular grunge band artists, in fact, Paul McCartney from the Beatles was asked in an interview, hey, if you weren't in the Beatles, which band would you be when he said Nirvana? Kurt Cobain, despite being so famous, so popular, so great at what he did, Kurt Cobain would never wear a Nirvana t-shirt. He'd never promote himself. He used to say, you'll never find me in a Nirvana t-shirt. You'll find me in a different band's t-shirt. I'll promote others. I'll promote different people's bands. I won't wear my own t-shirt. So Des takes that and he uses it in social media. He says, when I can, and it's hard, and let's be honest, it's tempting just to flick that post out and say, look how great my life is. Look at that filter. Look where I'm on holiday. Look at the people I hang out with. Look at what I do. Like, it's hard, isn't it? But for Des, he takes that on and he says, I'm going to try and not promote myself on social media. I'm going to try and do the Kurt Cobain thing. I'm not going to wear my own T-shirt. I'm going to promote others. Hey, look what these guys are doing. Isn't that great? Look what this person does. Wow. Isn't that incredible? I just think that's death to ego. Death to ego. I think that's amazing. I think that's inspiring, and I love it. Maybe that is speaking truth to the culture that we live in. Maybe that is a challenge that we could kind of take on. It's challenging to me. Jesus was promised so much. You can have it all authority 
and splendor. You can be awesome. Basically, he was really appealing to Jesus' sort of profile, and he was really wanting to say, hey, look, I can make you have a great profile here. You're going to look great. He's basically saying, you know, if you, if you do this, you will be great. Or, or there was something, actually. Um, it, was just, it was in the small print, but, but you just have to worship me. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, you can have all that. You can do all that. Oh, yeah, but <clears throat> as long as you, you, you worship me. He's basically saying, I'll give you whatever you want if you, fail, if, if you settle for less, if you have a false idol, if you have false worship. Maybe a challenge for, for, for us, for myself, is just to say, where is it that I'm kind of going for? Who am I promoting? What am I promoting? What comes out of my mouth? What comes out of my posts? What comes out of my conversations? What comes out of my relationships, my friendships? What do I talk about? Who do I say is great? When do I say church is great? Do I speak well of church? Do I speak well of Christianity? Do I speak well of Jesus? Do I speak well of Scripture? What do I promote? Where do I speak life? Basically, then Jesus answers him again from Deuteronomy. He speaks words of light into this dark, dark suggestion that Jesus engages in worshiping Satan. He answers with light and life, and he says, It is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Finally then, the devil, is led, uh, the devil led him to Jerusalem. And he's, he's saying to him, why don't we take you to a high, I'll take you to a high point. And if you are the son of God, just throw yourself off the top of this place. Just chuck yourself off here. And now Satan begins to quote scripture. Enemy knows scripture. He says this. Because it's written, isn't it? That he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. He is Satan, even manipulates scripture to his advantage. And he quotes scripture to Jesus, saying, throw yourself off. Just allow God's angels to catch you and take care of you. Try it out. Go and try it out. If that's what scripture says, and if you believe it, let me see it. Test it out. Go and test it out. Let me see it. Go and try it out. Chuck yourself off. Just, just see if that's actually true. See if Scripture stands up. Effectively, Jesus' enemy here was saying this. Test what has been said in Scripture and see if God is good for his word. See if he is. Jesus answers, do not put the Lord your God to test. Answers again with Scripture. Then I guess in the end, the enemy just kind of gives up. He says, after he'd finished all this, he left him until an opportune time. You know, the key to Jesus' triumph here is in, in this passage that we've read, is in Jesus' faithfulness in walking with God, wherever God leads him, even in the midst of testing times. That's the amazing thing that happened there. It's Jesus being willing to walk with God in this difficult situation. It's in him speaking truth to other conflicting voices or temptations that he encounters. So question then, how might we tone down some of them narratives in our lives, some of them competing things in our lives, and how might we increase the word of God in our heart, in our mind, in our conversations, in our lives, in our finances, in our friendships. How might we turn up the voice of God 
in all the contexts that we live in, in all the voices that compete for uh, priority. How might we do that? Well, maybe it's carving time out and saying, God, before I get up in the morning, before I switch my phone on and I compare my life with other people's, can you just speak words of life to me? Before I I open my phone or before I open a conversation that's going to be negative, can I just open the Bible and will you please speak to me? Will you speak something to me that's going to sustain me through the day, that I can chew on over and over and over again, that's going to bring life to me? It's amazing, isn't it, he in the the story of Freedom Christ and, and that interview with Mark, which was absolutely brilliant. Some of the things that get spoken over us, some of the things that get said to us, even from our friends, even from our family at times, like the world is amazing, yes, but, but it's also broken and it's in the process of being restored. And in the mess of all of that, sometimes things are said to us that really affects us even in our adult life. We have to work away and unpick some of that stuff and process some of that stuff. And the amazing thing about freedom in Christ is that they take scripture and you, you speak scripture over your life. All these amazing promises of how God sees you, what God thinks about you, like he likes you. We know he loves you, and sometimes it has to sink from the book to the head to the heart, but it's like he likes you. And speaking them scriptures out over yourself is amazing. Some people put scripture verses all around the house. I went through a time of of actually feeling quite down and and probably on on the border of, of being depressed I was in between jobs, I was living in Cheltenham, and, and all I could do was, was put scripture verses all around my bedroom, like all the way from my bed, on the landing, all the way to the, to the bathroom. So like everywhere I looked, I was just covered in scriptures, just looking at scriptures, just reminding myself of the word and the life that it brings as well. We are asked, like Jesus, to speak creative, creatively in our context, with words of life, and to turn up God's voice uh, in Scripture. Things that say that we may be worth, worthless, say, no, I'm not worthless, I'm loved, I'm worth dying for, we have hope. It's amazing what Scripture does. It would be a shame if we remained silent in the context that God has placed us, in the culture that we find ourselves in. You know, the real shame of Genesis 3, actually, at the fall, was that Adam and Eve there, is there, and this is all happening. And at any point, Adam could have said, no, actually, we were told not to do that. But Adam remained silent. He didn't chip in. He didn't speak creatively into the situation. At any given moment, he could have said, actually, no, that's not right. We, we know what God said. Let's not. But he failed to speak creatively in it. Let's not be people who fail to speak. Let's be people who speak truth Don't believe the hype that Christianity and Scripture has got nothing to say to our culture anymore. It really has. It really has. It's life-giving. Let's learn from Jesus and speak back to it. Speak life into it. Speak with authority and from Scripture to in our own normal way. Not in in a freaky religious way that's not even you, but in an authentic, true way to you. How you would communicate it. Let's speak life and be the living word by our actions and how we treat other people. I'm going to finish just, just with this. And um, I'm quite new to Edinburgh. I arrived um, about a year ago. And when I first arrived, we arrived right in the middle of the fringe. So we didn't really uh, get involved in it. It kind of just happened. 
And this year, it just kind of happened. And I was like, why didn't I get organized and see like 10 shows or something? But anyway, I, I was going to uh, pop in to see the caravan, Bethany caravan that comes and, uh, and serves the homeless community, gives out food and so on. So I was out to see that. I was at work late, and I thought, I'll just stay on till 9 o'clock, and, and then I'll kind of go and see the caravan. And so, on. so I'll take myself up to the fringe, because the caravan's at the Royal Mile. It's, it's, it's near there. It's at the bottom on the bridge. And I'll do that, work my way down. And I remember being in the middle of the fringe at sort of like 8 o'clock at night, and you've got fire breathers. And you've got people standing on boxes and going for it. You've got comedians. You've got people doing magic tricks. You've got buskers. You've got all sorts of people doing so many amazing, creative, incredible things. And I stood there and I thought, where's the church? Like, hang on a second. Like, this is amazing. Where's our voice? Like, where, 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 are, where are we? In the heart of the city, a festival city. Like, where, where do we represent here? How do we represent here? Like the creator God, who is the author and creator of creativity, where is he represented here at the fringe on the streets? And this actually bothered me, and it niggled away, and I was like, well, what can I do? Like, what could I do? Like, seriously, what can I do? I can't even juggle. Like, what can I do in the context of this, of, of millions of people, you know, that would just come and watch it and, and, and click into it and, and, and watch it come to it? What could I even say to it and it bothered me. It bothered me. So I, uh, I grabbed Mark Cameron, uh, the worship director who's been leading us uh, in worship with Carrie and the guys here. It's just been incredible. And I said, listen, I'm absolutely bricking it. Like, I'm so nervous and I'm so scared and I'm absolutely petrified and terrified. But would you come with me right to the middle of the fringe and would you just worship? Like, could we just go and worship in the middle of of the fringe. And I'm like, I don't like wearing the dog collar really, but actually I don't want to look like a busker. I don't want people throwing money at us. I don't want people gathering around and so on and say, oh, can you do Wonderwall? Can you do this? Like, I didn't want to do that, but I wanted people who couldn't hear what we're singing, I wanted them to see. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is the church out of the walls? Have they left their building? Are they actually singing about the thing that they say they believe on the streets in the thick in the middle of the fringe? And it was incredible. It was amazing to sing a little louder in the middle of the fringe. It was amazing to sing Spirit Break Out and to sing blessings over Edinburgh and to sing blessings over people as they stopped and as they looked and as the guys in the pub were drinking and like, isn't that a vicar with a guitar? Like, you know, as they could see but they couldn't hear. And it was amazing. It was great. And I, and I felt like this doing it, but afterwards I was like, God, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I did it. It was on the last day of the fringe, the big sort of grand finale. You know, what is our sort of equivalent? Like, we're not going to do that. Like, that's just like any idea. But where God's placed you and the culture and the context and the place that you are, where's your voice? And where the challenges come and where the temptations come and where the testing comes, how can you speak scripture back that's life-giving, that's true, that's authentic, that challenges it? And speaks back to it and stands up for Jesus and the church and says, we're not going anywhere. We are not going anywhere. We're here to stay and we've got a voice and we've got something to say and we're going to love you to pieces. We're going to love you to bits.